0: It's time for JT the Brick. The business I chose, that is real. That is bleeping real right now. Why am I bringing this up? It's what I do best. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. I'm not going crazy on this one. I'm not. I'm not going crazy. Does anybody listen to me? We talk balls on sports radio. JT the Brick. I don't have notes. Online. i just, lying. It's off the top of my head. The whole radio show's off the top of my head. I don't have a three hour pre-show meeting like those other guys where the interns write the show. It's all off the top of my head. We make memories on this show for the Raider Nation. Jump on with us. Do your job. Win these games. Let's be up. Ten points in the fourth quarter. Let's go in and shock the world. We are not the official show of the practice squad. I want to talk about the starters and the impact, guys. We're going to put this team on the map. If this is too hardcore for you, turn the channel. Don't embarrass Bobby. Wow, I can go in ten different directions today. No half-ass effort. I bring passion and energy for every second I'm on the radio. And now, it's a tweet. Don't take it too seriously. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two of the show brought to you by Resorts World. Head on out to the newest and biggest and largest casino property on the strip there, Resorts World, home of Doghouse Saloon, the theater, all the fine restaurants that they have. Doghouse, proud partner of our show at Resorts World. Jason Horowitz will join us in a minute. I interviewed the head coach, Josh McDaniels, earlier today. Very spirited interview. He's pretty locked into the Steelers. The players were coached really hard this week. It, this was no picnic. It's never a picnic under Josh McDaniels. Even the fans that don't like this head coach don't say it's going to be easy, you know he doesn't coach him hard. He coaches them really hard and the Raiders didn't do well in Buffalo at all. So they're being coached really hard this week and I think they're being pushed. I hope they are and I think them being pushed and being more focused when you don't play well and you come back to Las Vegas to prep for a week, you better be in pads. they were in pads yesterday. Jacoby Myers is out of protocol. He was cleared today. Devontae Adams practice. He's full, full practice, ready to go. So with all that happening, with all of that happening, the team's got to be ready to go. There can't be, and no one makes excuses. I hope you know that in the NFL, there's no one who makes an excuse, not a player or a coach. Well, you know, I just wasn't up for the game. Yeah, I didn't feel well. I had a stomach bug. No, there's none of that. These are professional football players. But when you get beat badly, when you get beat badly, that, there's a reason why there are coaches and GMs and executives. they got to go to the players and remind them that they're getting paid an enormous amount of money to represent the organization and play better. I believe they will push this week to be at a higher level when they play this game. So do you rip them for not being ready for Buffalo? Sure. Sure, the coach talked about it with me today. Uh, they, they had a lot of things they needed to clean up. Will it be clean, cleaned up? I don't know. We'll find out. When I host a post game Sunday night, where Jason Horowitz hopefully will throw it to me afterwards and say, "Hey, JT, it should be a fun post game show in the Modelo Lounge." Jason, can you promise that for me, or you just can't make those predictions?
1: Oh, it depends how hungry I am in the middle of a fast on Sunday night, and then we'll uh, we'll yes. see how I actually feel.
0: <laughs> I uh,
1: I think um, you know it's interesting what you're saying about not being ready because I always I always find that interesting with regards to that conversation and a, and a game, and it doesn't really matter the sport, but, you know, certainly we'll take football in this conversation because it, it, it certainly felt like they were ready because the opening drive, they used every bit that they had, and it was awesome, and then the defense was great on the first three and out. So, like, I, I never know when people say, hey, you know, we just weren't there. We didn't have enough. We didn't I, I never know what that really means because what it always seems to me is, you know what, we just got our tails kicked in because they were that much better. And players don't really ever want to admit that. Coaching staffs don't ever really want to admit that because that, that admits failure and defeat. Um, but, but in the case of the other day, that might have been true. There's no way that's true with the Steelers team.
0: Yeah, I think the Steelers team, the way that, let's jump right into the, uh, no, before we get to the Steelers, when you looked at the game, you called the game, and then afterwards you analyzed what you called. How the game got away from them so badly. I asked Coach McDaniels today about the containment. And I'll ask you, when Tyree Wilson is rushing and Max is, if there's not containment on the outside, that means the linebackers aren't filling for a guy like Max who might go inside. Man, that was bad football. They got torched for 180 yards on the ground, and a lot of those tackles came after like eight or nine yards where no one was near the ball. I hope they clean that up.
1: Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, that is the ultimate negative from the other day. That was the worst part. Like, I'm sure it felt that way watching it or listening to it. I'm sure it felt that way. It certainly felt that way calling it. Um, The worst part about Sunday was that you kind of could feel by the time the second quarter, you didn't know the game was going to be that big of a blowout. You didn't know the offense was going to struggle that badly. But you could tell that the defense had nothing to do or had no way to get off the field Um, because every play that Buffalo was running was successful. And it wasn't like they were picking him for 30 and 40 and 50 yards. They were picking him for 7, 8, 9, and 10. And the whole death by a million paper cuts thing was real. And it was rough.
0: I think what, what jumped out at me also was that we started young players. We, the season ticket holders like I am, you now are the play-by-play voice. When you're starting Ja'Corian Bennett and Tyree Wilson, and you got young players who are out there, every game's not going to be perfect and we haven't seen close to perfect football but what i will say the second half in denver to me jason was very encouraging giving up only three points and making adjustments at halftime and slowing down russell wilson a very good player they weren't able to do that in buffalo we know why the game got out of the way but kenny pickett it better not be hard to make adjustments against kenny pickett these offensive numbers are coming into this game are borderline embarrassing and the fans yeah. in Pittsburgh are pretty loud about it
1: yeah and they should be because because Pittsburgh you know offensively has stunk and and you know Najee Harris had a wonderful rookie year but right now they they I think there's a lot of Pittsburgh fans who want Jalen Waddell on or uh, not Jalen Waddle, excuse me Jalen Warren on the field a lot more. He's their scat back. He's the undrafted free agent. You know, you understand why Najee Harris gets the majority of the carries. First round pick had success. He had seventy some catches a couple years ago. But like there's something off there and it's maybe two and three yards, whereas Jalen Warren, you know you might get fifteen twenty. Um and and so but but the other parts of this too JT and I think this is with with regards to the Raiders offensively, um, it felt that Jimmy Garoppolo was pressured a lot more than he was against the Denver game. They still have not allowed a sack. Again, that speaks to both Jimmy and the offensive line. There's been a lot of conversation over the last couple of years about Jermaine Illuminor. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that these numbers and these, you know, the websites are always perfect, but pro football focus is used by the NFL. It's generally accepted as a, as a, as a, as a a stat or as a source. That's a good one. Jermaine Illuminor to this point through two games has not a lot of pressure. That's, that's not real. That's not. I mean, it's real, but it's not normal. That's wonderful. But now it's TJ Watt, right? Now it's so. Now what happens? And if that continues, good for him because that would be outstanding.
0: Well, it's not just TJ Watt, too. I'm, I'm looking at all the stats. As you're aware of this, and T.J. Watt's a guy that has to be double-teamed. He's just so much better than everybody yeah. goes up against. But they had a game where they had a total of six sacks, four ta- takeaways, yep. and two touchdowns on defense. But now that we get a chance to see Alex Highsmith you know, up here in Vegas live at Allegiant Stadium, I'm really going to have my eyes peeled on him. He had seven total tackles, one forced fumble, a sack, and <laughs> an interception for a touchdown. He was oh, AFC he was Defensive Player of the Week.
1: Yeah, he's the reason they won the football game, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, is, yeah. which is, you know, you don't – We I know a lot of people have talked about that with Micah Parsons the first couple weeks. There's, you know, he was on the Pat McAfee show talking about wanting to, you know, be a tight end and be on offense, and he wants to be MVP. And, and you know, he certainly is one of the best players in the NFL. We know that what that's like with Max Crosby. Like, defensive players can wreck games. It's not often that a defensive player is the reason a team wins a football game. and And he was. He was that reason. And, and go back to TJ Watt. I know they got blown out by San Francisco. He still had three sacks in that game. Um, so there is a lot to deal with. Um, the Steelers interior defensive line, they run a three four. Their front, not quite as good as it normally is. Cam Hayward's on IR. They're bringing up some other guys. Braden Fajoco, you know, we played against because the Chargers, he was on the Chargers last year. Uh, so like they're, they're bringing up some guys, but, They're still a talented front, and the the struggles to run the football have been real, and we all know that. And so that is going to be a challenge again, because with the exception, once Nick Chubb left the game, uh, there was no running the football with the exception Mm of one long touchdown run for the Browns last week.
0: Jason Horowitz is the voice of the writers. He joins us every other Thursday. We're happy to have him here, and this is important to me. I'm I'm nervous about – What could happen with conservative play in this game? Because if you're going to leave in someone to block and chip, that's one less receiver going out for the routes. And they haven't been very productive in the passing game. Good at times. Jimmy's had some clean pockets. And the ball, when he throws it complete, is just beautiful to watch. But if you leave in a tight end and a guy like Josh to chip, you only got so many guys going out on these routes here. And I like the four wide. My dream this year was for you to call players where you say empty back, empty set, or just Josh without a fullback and they're four or five yeah. wide and Michael Mayer's in the route. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's everybody's yeah. in the route, and then Jimmy did what he did at New England or San Francisco. He just checks off to the guy who's not open, who's yeah. wide open. I don't know yeah. if that could happen in this game, but it can happen in others.
1: I I, I don't I didn't look at the numbers yet from Sunday, so I'm not positive what the statistics are from formation standpoint, but from week one, JT, the Raiders had six offensive linemen nearly 22% of the time, and a fullback nearly 46% of the time. So offensive linemen by far, number one in the league most times with six offensive linemen uh, in formation, and they were number two in the league in terms of plays run with a fullback. So... I, again, I don't, I don't know. We only ran 39 plays last week, so I don't really know what it, if it even matters. But with regards to what you're saying in your dream, that is fairly different than what they ran against Denver. Um, and, I, and I wonder if it's because, you know, because there Munford was on the field on, first, on the first play of the game in Denver. So clearly that was part of the plan. So I, 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 I'm sure that will be a big part of the game plan here as well. Um, It was a part of their offense last year. Jakob Johnson is a really good fullback, and if you need to get the ground game going, you'd think that he'd be a good one to do that with. Um, But at the same time, and this is something I saw from people today, uh, last year Derek Carr and the Raiders' offense saw a lot more too deep. So far in the first two weeks, Jimmy Garoppolo has not had to deal with that a lot, which means that they are not respecting the deep ball as much. And I think that is something that I think probably plays a reason as to why they are not – able to get the ground game going because there's more bodies in the way
0: i agree jason horowitz so the rivalry had a good conversation with coach on the rivalry and knowing people in the building who've been a part of it and not many people in our building anymore have been around that long where it goes back to the 70s it's just fascinating and i know you'll get it into the broadcast of what just happened in the 70s from like 70 to 78 79 where the raiders won one super Bowl. This is not exaggerating. They probably should have had three and possibly four. And Madden couldn't get over the top and Stabler, and they're going to have the ceremony before the game with all those gold jackets. Amazing how the Steelers and the Raiders collided. And I think a couple of those years the Raiders were the better team. They were, but they couldn't finish and win the game. And the Steelers won those games and ended up winning the Super Bowl. It's crazy when you lose to the team, Jason, that ends up winning the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I not we last year, Christmas Eve, right? The 50 year anniversary of Franco Harris and all the ties to that with him passing away the week of the game and um, the celebration that the NFL had for that and which turned into a memoriam of him. And you know, the reality of is that catch propelled the Steelers dynasty really. And to your point, the Raiders win that game if that catch doesn't happen or it's ruled incomplete or whatever. And to your point, probably go on to win the Super Bowl. And, and, and Steelers fans constantly, you know, we were there in Pittsburgh, Steelers fans constantly point to that play as the rise of those four Super Bowls in six years. And I don't know how many they would have won or not, What I don't know, but they did. And, and to your point, that, you know, it feels like the Raiders might have had one or two more um, had something like that not have happened. And, and so these two franchises are forever linked. It's wonderful when you get out of division rivalries like this one. Um, it's, it's interesting, JT, before I got the job, people asked me about, or, or once I got the job, people asked me about my, you know, history and background with the Raiders. And I don't know if you remember, did you ever have an Apple GS computer?
0: Uh, no, my wife might have. She's the tech support of <laughs> my house. She, so, she's the tech so, support.
1: So that would have been like the computer that households had in like the early to mid-90s, and floppy disks and hard drives and things that like, you know, weighed 100 pounds. And uh, I had a football game and it was basically you typed in a number on the keyboard to run a pass, a bomb, a run, a, sh- a sweep, whatever, and it was Raiders versus Steelers, and it was players from the 70s and the 80s. <laughs> that wasn't really accurate. They were kind of mixed together and all that stuff, but my initial re- uh, initiation into the Raiders was that. <laughs> so uh, You better believe I was throwing a lot of deep passes on the Apple II in 1992.
0: I ask you as we wrap these up uh, for a key to the game. Uh, something yeah. that you think needs to happen, as, as we did Raiders Roundtable this week, Eddie Pascal will give him credit for that. He said the first, the first 15 minutes, the, or the first quarter, that's it. We've got to start fast, got to play with the lead, can't be chasing. What do you think, Akia, is from your perspective?
1: So I'm going to say the same thing that I said to you guys on Raiders Roundtable. And, and the more I thought about it this week, because it kind of just came up, um, but the more I think this is 100% accurate for, for Sunday. In the first two games of the season, the Raiders have started very fast. Touchdowns on the opening drive in both. The difference was both at the end of the second quarter, the Broncos and the Bills scored touchdowns with less than 20 seconds left on the clock. The Broncos uh, with 12, I think, and the Mm -hmm. Bills with 18. And both teams then got the football to start the second half. That's a big problem. And I remember Lincoln and I talked about this a lot last year was that the, two, uh, the the Raiders consistently were giving up end of... the last year it was more or less field goals, but they were giving up points at the end of halves, and they were give, kicking the ball away to start the third quarter, almost all of those, and that's a big problem. So, so that can't continue, because if that continues to happen, it is going to crush the team throughout the course of the year, and that's a struggle. So that... I know the first 15 minutes, the emotion, the energy you know, home opener, the Hall of Famers, all those stuff that's going to happen and go on is wonderful. It's the end of the first half that I think is crucial on Sunday night.
0: Travel safe as always, and we'll see you out here. Big weekend in Vegas. You don't have to pack anything. T-shirt, T-shirt will be fine. Shorts, I know you like your your run in the morning. The weather will be ideal. The views will be epic.
1: Epic. I cannot wait. I am looking forward to having – it's going to be a different – different uh, game day experience for me i'm used to getting up getting the run in getting the coffee heading over but now i gotta kill a few hours watching some football i'm sure there's a few places in vegas i
0: can figure out where yes to do that. I, th- <laughs> I think you'll be fine in <laughs> vegas killing a few hours take care buddy see ya see you bud see you there's, uh, jason time. horowitz the voice of the raiders he's really been good his calls are excellent He brings his A-game. He works with Lincoln Kennedy, and it's fun to work with them and uh, do the pre- and post-game show on Sunday. Remember my reminder, you come see me at the Torch. Is there any better place to do it? Uh, The Torch right there. Coors Light Landing, it's going to be big. We have surprises lined up. There are people that are going to be – how do I tell you this without telling you this? This is going to be a big one. There's a lot of people coming to this game. Mark Davis, once again, green-lighted everybody to go out – and make it the most entertaining game in all of football. Now the players got to go win the game. We know that. But Vegas cares about the lights, the entertainment, it's Sunday night football. A lot of the country is going to see this game and go, oh, the Super Bowl is going to be played in that building. Let me take a look at that one more time. And I think that Sunday night football on NBC is going to go out of their way and make it really big. And with all that combined, it's going to look really cool. So I'm more excited for this home opener than other than the first one we ever had open in Allegiant Stadium, and the fact that the Raiders are one and one could really stabilize the first quarter of the season. You know, you break up the season when there were 16 games and quarters, right? Four, 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 and four. Now you could still go the first four games. We'll start with this quarter. I thought the Raiders, if they came out of the gate three and one, would have been beautiful. Two and two is kind of what I thought. One and one is what I expected. But this is the game, the Denver game and the Steeler game. I had the Raiders winning. I think they could beat the Chargers if the Chargers are 0-3. If the Chargers win that game in Minnesota, uh, they're going to be one game away from being five hundred and tied with the Raiders. So that's going to be a tough game. But that's a Raider home game in Los Angeles. This is the one that was intriguing to me the most when the schedule came out. Because when the schedule came out, I said, those scoundrels and Ed Sheeran's going to make us play our first two games on the road? Three out of four on the road? Well, we got to get two out of the four. And then I just stared at my tickets and the schedule and said, we got to win that Steeler game. I know we're going to beat Denver. I'm not Nostradamus. We've won seven in a row against those guys. Everybody picking Denver to go to the playoffs every year. I, I, I knew that one was safe. Buffalo, I thought the Raiders had a puncher's chance considering what they did against Denver, but they weren't competitive in that game. And then it comes to this one. This one where they have one of the worst offenses in football, one of the best defenses, or a couple of the best defensive players. So all of this has got to come together. Ladies and gentlemen, the Las Vegas Raiders need to play a good game of football. Not two quarters and not three and win the game. I want to see the team play under the leadership of Dave Ziggler and Josh McDaniels and play a great football game or at least a good football game. Okay, No, no slow starts. No, hey, we didn't have any turnovers in this game. Hey, we were down 14, and we came all the way back and lost by three. None of that. Go win the game. And I think they can do that Sunday night, and I'm confident they will. 702-365-9200. Hey, I want to thank the people. It wasn't an army of people. It was my first ever YouTube live stream last night. I thought it was great. I loved it. I went nuts for 40 minutes, broke down week two of the NFL. And if you didn't get a chance to see it, please subscribe to my new YouTube channel jt the brick you'll find it jt the brick yt for youtube and i have it on my bio in my twitter at jt the brick please subscribe it takes 30 seconds just hit a button it's free and everything will go on our youtube page which is also sponsored by modello we thank modello for the fighting spirit at some point tonight i'm going to be over at la casa cigars that's over in tivoli village for thursday night football i'm going to have a cocktail i'm going to have a cigar one of the best selections of cigars anywhere in the state of Nevada. Their humidor walk-in is incredible. They got tremendous whiskeys and scotch and bourbons all right there. That's La Casa Cigars at Tivoli Village. When we come back, Shane Knighty will join us. We'll talk to him as the Vegas Golden Knights are opening up training camp. Golden, I got a lot of new Golden Knights gear. I got the Stanley Cup hat. I got the Stanley Cup t-shirt. I got all this new Golden Knight gear, man. I just love the Golden Knights. It brings joy to my life. Brings joy living in a town where I can go to a hockey game. And when I go to the hockey game, they raise a banner because they won the Stanley Cup.
2: A devotion to destiny. Misfits to Champions, the Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup in 2023. The first Stanley Cup championship in Golden Knights history comes in their sixth season. The Silver State is home to the greatest silver trophy in all of sports. The mob is behind Aiden Hill's goal.
0: All the players swarming one another, jubilant in celebration. The fans on their feet can't stop. How about that? Dan Duva on the call. Our Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. JT, back with you. Brought to you by the 872 Laborers, who built the city and all these big projects on time and on budget. Shane Knighty, kind enough to join us from the Golden Knights broadcast team. Former great player, even a better broadcaster. And Shane... Camp starting, man. It, when you win and you go deep in the playoffs, the offseason's much shorter, but this one was much sweeter.
2: Well, yeah, and there, there's two ways to look at it, right? It's a lot easier to go into a short season winning. Had you gone to the final and lose, uh, that shorter season doesn't feel as good, or that short offseason. So I, I think it allows them to come back with some energy and confidence and. Uh, Hey, they're the defending champs. That's their job this year is to defend it and uh, put their best foot forward. We know it's a long season, but certainly pretty much uh, the same group of guys that, that'll be back to contend for it.
0: That's what's so good about it. Before we get to the team and how it looks, any Cup stories? I mean, I saw it. I follow VGK on social media. And when players are able to take their the Cup back to their hometown, small hometowns in Canada or anywhere around the world and have that experience – with the Cup, were there any memorable stories this offseason where you saw something on social media and you texted Lawless and said, this looked like a lot of fun?
2: Well, I think all of them look fun, right? It's, yeah. uh, you're doing different things uh, with the Cup. You're, you're trying to enjoy it in your own way.
0: and not,
2: So, you know, when I look at it, it, it's great. You see them giving back to the community. Certainly, Zach Whitecott, when he went back, uh, you, you saw some of the things he did back there. You see in you know, O'Shea Theater, you see the family ones, you see the community um, you know, the ones I interested here is now the guys are all back in town. We'll start to talk to them. we will ask them, you know, you hear the more intimate ones when you kind of break down and it's just you, close family and friends, and you have those special moments with the cup. Um, Kelly McCrimmon spoke today about it, and he, he said, you know, just some of the things he saw learning, talking to the keepers of the cup, the stories they had. If, there, if there's anybody that could write a book, it's those guys. They travel around going to every yeah. party been doing it for years the things they've seen and heard and witnessed but uh the one thing is it it's such a magnet to people right uh you know wherever you bring it to the people who want to get their picture they want to see it uh they want to spend time with it it's truly you know a special feeling to have those days with the cup and for people to be able to share it with uh especially the players guys. Yeah. You know, your family and friends, former coaches, teammates, whatever, that were on that path for you to achieve this. Uh, it's special to bring it back to, to wherever you're from and share that with them.
0: Shane Natty joins us from the Golden Knights broadcast team. Shane, we had Gavin Malouf in studio on Tuesday, and he told the story about how he was friends with Gary Bettman from his NBA years on in the Sacramento Kings. When Bettman wasn't in the NHL, he was in the NBA under David Stern. And then he and his brother would go back to New York to convince Gary and start the process before bringing the idea to Mr. Foley, who ended up you know, funding the team and owning the team. This is really an incredible story. I'm sure there's going to be books written about it. And maybe are going to have the opportunity to be quoted on this. But in all of your years of being a player and a broadcaster, looking back on that six-year run, a cup appearance in year one and then winning the cup in year six, it truly was magical. No one thought something like this could happen, other than Mr. Foley. No.
2: Well, he did say cup in six, but... <laughs> yeah. That said, you know it, it is. you always now that they've achieved it, you look back, and I, I still to this day, year one to me is is the most magical run I've yeah. seen in pro sports for an inaugural team. I, I don't think it's, it, it's been done before, and it'd be hard to ever see it replicated what they did in year one. And what that did is it fast- tracked it. So year one for me is still the most unbelievable year um, that you know it's something in a movie you wouldn't believe um that said now year six they win last year yeah they've been a cup contending team and i know how hard it's to win but they've had opportunity you know had you know that mishap against san jose not happened who knows where they would have went that year in 2019 um you know then we hit some shortened seasons where they were still right there final four um so them winning last year i you know they're a good team it's hard to win but they're able to capture that to me year one still most unbelievable, but. That fast-tracked it, right? That that made it possible for them. They they just built something so special early on that they've been considered a contender each and every year. And, you know, even last year, probably had the most doubters, but
0: mm. I figured
2: if they could be healthy, they had the roster to do it, to be one of those teams in the conversation. And that's all you can be. It is so hard to win. It's just like this year. I think they're, you know, they're pick eight to ten teams. You know, certainly there's a few that are favorites, but they're they're in there. You need a lot of things to go right. It's a long season, but certainly uh, they have just as good opportunities they've had in the past if some things can stay and fall in place throughout the year.
0: Shane Knighty, as we wrap it up. So, Shane, I want to get back to last year how they threaded the needle with the Stone injury. Okay, very important. They got Stone ready for the postseason after he was out. Barbashev, all the players, the contracts, how everything went behind the scenes that a lot of our listeners might not be aware of. And then they got healthier heading into the cup run, won the cup. You talked about most of this team, pretty much everyone other than Riley Smith being back. How did they do it last year and handle it the way they did with the calendar and the health of the team? And why are you optimistic that they can do it again with all these guys coming back?
2: Well, number one, I'm a big believer, and you learn from the past and you learn from your mistakes if you correct them. And you go to the previous year, they had a similar roster, got hammered with injuries, and could not overcome it. Um, You know, the previous season, they missed playoffs, but they were in first place going the All Star break. Um, This year, they get hit with the same injuries. God, remember, Eichel missed 13 games, Petrangelo missed a ton of games. You mentioned Mark Stone. So they learned in the past, and they were able to fight through it, they're able to hold water through those injuries, and then when they got healthy, I think that built the confidence in this team. So they went in, they were able to, like I said, fight through that. All. And in that room, behind the scenes, there was never a doubt. And, I, you know, when you have a group of guys, bring them together, the chemistry, you know, no wrinkles at all. They ironed them all out the previous year. I think it was a close-knit room, similar your one, and they had a belief in there that, you know, was unwavering. You have to have that. Every team, you know, you can say you have it, but to actually believe it and have every guy buy in, they have that. That's what makes them a special group. That's why they're Stanley Cup champions. Now, going into this year, I just want to – because Kelly McCrimmon spoke this morning, and he gave a really good quote, and and, and I believe he says he believes playoffs make your team better and individuals who go through it to win – better and he said number one guy who's going to be a better player because of it he mentioned jack eichel which you would Mm -hmm. assume jack eichel's already a great player but now being through what it takes to win an elite athlete like that i'm excited to see this year and it's a very true statement
0: so shane lastly what are the big challenges early we see this in the nba You know, NBA's different because guys in the beginning of the year aren't hitting threes and they're not playing defense. It's not even required, (laughs) literally, the NBA. It's not even required until Christmas. Hockey, you guys come flying in the first game of the year and everybody's checking each other and the puck's flying around and everybody's racing. What are some of the traps that they have to avoid as cup champion to make sure they get off to not a brilliant start, but a very good start to defend the cup and put themselves in a good position? Well, this
2: is where I'm, you know, I think culture and identity, the team, where that's built in, that desire to win at all times. You can't have, and you see it sometimes from teams that win. You mentioned the short off season that you come out a little bit slow out of the gate. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. And this is where, you know, Bruce Cassidy's coaching staff, um, they're going to put in place what they want. And the other thing, this is only a second year. Last year, you look at they started 13 and two, and he talked about how their team needed to build all year because he's implementing new systems. Well, now they all know it and you know outside of riley smith everybody's coming back there's going to be opportunity and competition for one spot we'll see how that plays out if health is there but um you know the biggest challenge for them is to get that energy and excitement up and you know this is day one from what i've seen in the brief there, there there's a lot of jump there's excitement you know camp isn't the most fun time of year you know it gets a little bit along especially for the veterans but when it comes to October, you know, that ability to flip a switch when it gets to the regular season and to be ready to grow and understand that, all right, let's have a good start. It's important. We you know the when it comes to the U.S. Thanksgiving, uh, the, the percentage of teams in a playoff there that air at the end of the year. So starts are important. And I want to see how their game's going to look here early starting in October 10th when they get to raise that banner up to the roof.
0: I uh, hope you get to this Raider game or watch it on Sunday. This is a big one. Sunday night football is kind of like a Stanley Cup game in a way with the energy. What do you think of this? Sunday night, Vegas, this weather, it's going to be unbelievable. I'll be in San
2: Jose. Thanks for reminding me. It's
0: first preseason game. Oh, wow. Right. First preseason game in the rivalry city of San Jose. You have a good trip. You'll be able to watch it on TV or catch the highlights. I'm going right?
2: to do my best. Sundays are my favorite day of the week, especially when there's no hockey on that day or no Golden Knights games. And I get to enjoy my
0: Sunday football. But
2: uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep track of it, JT. Don't worry.
0: I look forward to talking to you a bunch. I always appreciate your time. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Anytime, my man. Have a great day. You got it. Shane Knighty. What a great broadcaster. I, mean, I hope he does more national games. When they pick him up nationally to do games, he's really good. He just, he was a tough physical player, and now he's getting a Stanley Cup ring as a broadcaster. My buddy Bruce Cusick, the voice of the Knights at the games. You know, Mark Chinook, good, long-time, short-time friend of mine, but a good friend, Mark Chinook. Love that. What an entertainer he is. And then everybody behind the scenes, Nate and Eric and the people in the media department, everybody who's getting a ring, everybody who's proud to be with the Cup, very happy for this team. And they pull for the Raiders and the raid. Mark Davis went to so many games. It's part of our city here. And the fact that the Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions, I don't know, no one ever knows what they mean when it says surreal or mind-blowing, whatever the word is. I cannot believe it. I moved to Las Vegas in 1996. When I got here, I worked at the MGM and on Tropicana for Sports Fan Radio Network. It was really the birth of the Hard Rock Hotel. I was here by myself. I was here by myself. I had one good friend in town that lived here, and I lived in his guest room of his house, and I would walk to work and kind of drive around town, and there was not a lot of sports. There wasn't. I was doing a national radio show, Sportsman Radio Network, from midnight to 5 a.m. Pacific. Try that shift out. Let that sink in. Only good part of it, it was on everywhere. It was on in Boston and San Francisco and Dallas. And a lot of people were able to hear me back then doing that shift, and then I picked up the Pete Rose Show. I was hosting the Pete Rose Show for a little over a year at that time, doing both shifts, the Pete Rose Show and the overnight shift. And it was weird being in this town because there was no sports. Of course, you got NASCAR, but boxing saved me because it was the biggest perk that I had because they always let us go to these boxing matches and get credentials. And I'd go to a lot of fights, and I saw so many iconic Tyson fights and De La Hoya and all the legends who were fighting back then. It really was life-changing. And then then I moved. I got hired by the Raiders in 1998, and the next thing you know, I was gone. And I moved up to the Bay Area in 99, 2000, and left in the beginning of 2001. And then, you know, I was living in L.A. for nine years, working for Fox. And then I got my get-out-of-jail-free card from L.A., and I moved back to Vegas full-time in 2009 long before NHL was even an idea, right? And you had UNLV, and UNLV football hasn't done much. Coach Odom is doing great things now. Oh, my God, this guy gets it, what he's doing locally. But to have the Raiders here, to have the WNBA champions here, to have NASCAR, to have UFC, what Dana White's done for this town, incredible what Dana White's done for this town, and then what they've done out at the Motor Speedway, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, we have two races, including a playoff race, But the Golden Knights are going to raise that banner. It's going to be an important moment in the history of this city. We have a Stanley Cup, mostly a Canadian sport. And here in Las Vegas, we are reigning champs. That is pretty spectacular. Yeah, that is pretty spectacular, so we're happy about that. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm ready to go. So to the top of the hour, let's get on the phones going. Give me some fans who are going to the game who are tailgating, going to some of these parties, going to come out and see me tomorrow at Top Golf, noon to two. And some Raider fans, and I'd like to hear possibly from a Raider, maybe a desperate Raider fan. What's your level of desperation in this game as a fan? Coaches and players aren't desperate. And a sneak preview of my interview with Coach McDaniels was just tweeted out by the Raiders. If you follow the Raiders on Twitter, hear what he said to me about the rivalry. It's really good. Vegas is ready for the Steelers.
1: Yeah, yeah, got to see them. Uh, damn good defense. I mean, they, they made some plays, put some points up on the board. So, so uh, it's going to be a good challenge for us this week. got We got uh, to do our part on offense.
0: It's Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, the Steelers. Jimmy G wasn't here last year. Uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders lost that game on Christmas Eve. Highly emotional game. Franco Harris, his number was retired, but Franco wasn't there for it. He died the night before, unexpectedly. Uh, Cisco from the Black Hole sent me a picture of when Franco Harris got inducted into the Black Hole Hall of Fame in Oakland, which is one of the more memorable. I, I tweeted out the picture today on the sidelines with Phil Villapiano and Franco. And the Black Hole thought so highly of Franco that Franco came out to the parking lot where the Black Hole was there tailgating hundreds upon hundreds of people. They inducted Franco into the Black Hole Hall of Fame. Everybody was having beers and drinks. And then I walked Franco onto the field with Phil. And that was pretty special. So the rivalry goes back a long way. The Raiders got to start this rivalry or keep it going in Vegas. Now, the Chandler Jones story, I haven't had much to comment on because it's a private matter, and you all understand that. Raider fans know that the coach, no one's talking about this, the owner. Everybody wants Chandler Jones to be okay. Everybody needs Chandler Jones to get through what's going on in his life. Ian Rappaport and the team at NFL Network discussed that earlier today. Chandler Jones after a, I think it's fair to say, difficult, tumultuous several weeks, several months, has been placed on the non-football injury list by the Las Vegas Raiders. That takes him off the field for an undetermined amount of time. Uh, Essentially, when he can play again, then he will be eligible uh, to play again. It is a personal issue. The team has stuck by him through some very difficult times, and no one has ruled out him potentially returning to the field. Even this year, if his situation is handled and everyone is okay with what is happening, I know it has not been easy for literally anyone involved. It is life. It is very personal, but he has now been taken off the field uh, while he uh, deals with his personal situation. All right. So that's really important. And I want to commend the Raider Nation for handling this well. You know, there's not a lot of people running around the Raider Nation. Give me details. I need to know. Oh, my God, JT, man, come on. Call me on the side. Text me. What really happened to Chandler Jones? I have no idea. There's a personal matter here. There are a lot of rumors running around. And I don't know. And if I did know, I would not tell you because it's a legal personal matter to talk about someone's personal life as this is pending. You know that. So all the Raider fans, I think, have handled this well. And we hope for the best for Chandler Jones. I was hoping for him to have a big year. I mean, how many days did I say in the offseason that if the Raiders are really going to contend, they're going to need Chandler Jones coming off the edge. And he was going to mentor Tyree, right? So he's going to be out there. There was going to be times this year where Chandler Jones came off the field or stayed on the field and Tyree Wilson was out there with Max Crosby. Do I think the Raiders would have been a better football team with all three of those gentlemen at full strength? Absolutely, I do. And now you're seeing Jacorian Bennett and Tyree Wilson, young rookies, playing. And, man, they're in the deep water of the pool. You know, you ever grow up? I was a lifeguard. You ever do that when you take a little kid, a little toddler, teaching them how to swim, and you throw them in the deep end of the pool? You're obviously keeping an eye on them. Nothing's going to happen. But, hey, man, we're going to go in the deep water. It's different. You're going to have to swim to the side. That's what these young rookies are doing now, man. They're in the deep water. They're playing Sunday night on NBC in front of the whole world. You can't get exposed. Now, if Chakorian gets beat on a bomb, okay, it happens. He's a rookie. You're not going to take him out of the game and scold him. He's going to have to learn from it. Now, the line opened up initially a pick'em game. And then I thought the Steelers at one point were a one-point favorite. Now the Raiders are a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and it's two-and-a-half everywhere. It hasn't moved to three. You get three for playing at home. I, I consider this a pick'em game. Vegas minus two and a half. Now, if you're a gambler, not, the last nine games were It dis- was decided by one score or less. You know, a field goal, one point, or one score. The last nine games, nine out of ten. So these teams play each other closely. And do I think the Raiders are going to win by one or two or maybe three? I don't care. I don't bet. I don't gamble. But if I did... You know, I like the Raiders in this game. This is a game at home that I think that could be decided on a Daniel Carlson field goal late. Or the Raiders can come out and punch the Steelers in the mouth, and the Raider defense can wake up. And if they're able to wake up, make it very difficult for Pickett. Make it difficult for Pickett to jump into this game and get a rhythm. I think the last thing the Raiders want to do is give Kenny Pickett the opportunity to complete a couple of early passes. You know, if he finds... Players that are going to get open on crossing routes and players that pick you know, picking some of the good young players that he has now can't make it easy. What we saw in Buffalo with Josh Allen was they were able to run the ball easily, easily run the ball for over 180 yards. And then Josh Allen made every throw he wanted to make. It didn't feel like the Raiders were stuck in quicksand. I don't want to say that they were slow. What they didn't do correctly was they were nowhere near the ball when the ball broke the huddle. What I mean by that, when Josh Allen handed the ball off and the running back made his first move, there was no one there. The defensive tackles weren't there. So the defensive tackles were standing up. They were engaged in a block. They were being outplayed by Buffalo's offensive line, and then boom, the runners through to the next level, and you got to hope that Diablo and Spillane are somewhere there. By the time they got there, it's six, seven, eight yards. And then when Josh Allen was rolling outside the pocket extending the play, you know Marcus Peters did not have a good game. Pro Football Focus gave him a low grade. This is his first ever Raider game, first ever home Raider game. Marcus Peters has got to show up for this one. I mean, he's got to have that Oakland dog in him that's going to show up and have a pretty big game. So they just were late to everything. They weren't lined up correctly. Or maybe they looked like they were lined up correctly, And Josh Allen, who's an elite quarterback, just read the defense and picked it apart. And that's what you see. You actually are able to see, if you look at the tape of that game, that Josh Allen not only was he he contested, Max got close to him a few times, but the fact is he was able to get the ball out quickly, and he was staring down receivers. You know, it wasn't like the situation where the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, had to, like, run and look left, look right, pump fake and all that. No, the ball just came out. That's what Jimmy G needs to do. He's not going to have a lot of time to sit in the pocket with T.J. Watt bearing down on him. So make the early call. Make the quick decision. Look to Devontae. If Devontae's not open, dump it down to Hunter Renfro. How does this sound, everybody? How about we get Hunter Renfro three catches in the first quarter? Three catches for 24 yards. That's it. He catches a six-yarder, catches an eight-yarder, Catches another six-yarder. All of a sudden, Hunter gets going. The crowd gets going. First down. And Hunter Renfro is engaged in this game early. And then Mike Tomlin's got to look at his team and go, hey, that guy Renfro caught three balls on the last drive. Let's get someone over there. And it eases up Devontae and Jacoby. I think Jacoby Myers is going to play a big role in this game. Really big role in this game because his first game, he was fantastic. He didn't play the second game, and now he's got to come back ready to roll. Keep going to him. Thanks to all of our guests today Jason Horowitz Lee Sterling and Shane Knighty, was on the Golden Knights broadcast. Please join me tomorrow I'll be at Top Golf. Love Top Golf. It'll be a lot of fun brought to you by Modelo. That'll be from noon to 2. And then I'll be at the Strat tomorrow night for their ALS gala and that's going to be a lot of fun too if you can get tickets to that. Find that with Golden Entertainment and look on my Twitter at JT the Brick. Q is coming up next. He's got a monster show. Because he understands it's the Steelers and the Raiders. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the flagship of the Silver and Black.